tell you what. That Gordon Dundas is, is getting good at those drums. Um, right. Oh, oh, here we are! Well, welcome to Whiskey Unscripted. It is our brand new whiskey podcast. My name is Gordon Dallas and I cannot continue without my co-host. He, well, he's like the yeast to my wort. He's like the hot air to my germination, if you know your processes. It's Gordon Dundas. How are you, Gordon? I am well, Mr. Dallas. How are you today? Very well. Listen, we're still in lockdown. We're still in separate locations. Yes, so I'm probably sounding a little bit distant, but, uh, you know, some things never change. Now, we did a, our first episode last week. I don't know. I felt possibly that we started the tasting a bit too late. I know it's unscripted, but could I put in a, a point of order? Could we scripting a tasting earlier? In the show. Well, I, th- I think, Gordon, to be fair, we may have talked about it a bit too late. I was, I, I had a whiskey in my hand at the start <laughs> of the podcast. You know, I go with the rules. I need to be told. Yeah, well, no, I can assure you I have a whiskey beside me now. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about it later on. But I have a blended whiskey today uh, that I'm drinking. It's called Pig's Nose. And uh, a really nice, beautiful blend um, that can be drunk in a very easy way. So that's what I'm drinking. What have you got in your... Glass. I had a huge debate there, Gordon, a huge debate. I had a Tamdu 12 or a Glengoyne oh, yes. 12. And because we're recording and that's just about coming up for midday, I went to the Glengoyne 12. That that bourbon part of the, nice, you know, that's nice, lighter, nice. fresher, nice. a bit more citrus. Yeah. I just, you know, the sherry, I'll, I'll leave for later. But I just... Well, the weather has got better. The weather has got better. And that's a thing we should talk about, Gordon. Whiskey, weather dependent, is it all to do with your your surroundings? Well, I mean, I, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about whiskey and how you should drink it and la-di-da. And my point would be, you know, if you live in a hot environment and it's very hot, so not Scotland, but I am, I used to live in Asia, for example, a lot of people drink whiskey with ice. And I totally understand why you would do that because it's a hot environment. So again, just drink it the way you want to drink it. And uh, we'll be looking into ways of drinking whiskey later on in these podcasts. But, it, it, you know, just drink and, you know, Drink whiskey as long as you're drinking whiskey. That is the most important thing. Oh, well, good. Slangeva to you, Gordon. The Glengoyne 12, but the Tamdu 12 will be not far behind uh, Slange. No, absolutely. Oh, enjoy that. Nice. Lovely. So, how's your week been, Gordon? It's a very strange week. And I was thinking it's been a... in the future, yeah. and I'm not talking about flying cars and when we all have tentacles, but in the future, say, in about a few months' time, people can come back and take in this podcast. But as we are recording, we're still in lockdown and it's still very very strange it is a very strange time and you you know it's 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 that sort of time where you know you sort of you're in your house 23 22 hours of the day i've taken up running it's that strange um um and um i mean if anybody who knows me um me and running what? don't uh, it's not an it's not an automatic sort of you, know, you wouldn't look at me and go he, he clearly runs um so for me to take up running means it is quite a strange time but uh, yeah it's just a bit odd how about you well i'm looking forward to uh well, just there's certain things that get you through box sets yeah, and music think, and whiskey absolutely and i think what i've really noticed this week is you know just just being very aware of what 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 is happening is is there is a lot of activity in the virtual arena, as you would expect, and a lot of brands doing, and a lot of collaborations going on as well across the whiskey industry, which I think the whiskey industry is really good at. We're very much, we, we like to work together to promote whiskey. So there was this event on at the weekend, I think ultimately arranged by Tomatin called the Lockdown Whiskey Festival, which was a 
a wonderful, a wonderful uh, event and a wonderful uh, uh, sort of initiative. And they had a lot of people listening to it, which was great. There's other things which I know our whiskey are doing and, and, and other, other sort of publishers, brands, and there's so much in the, in the virtual arena, which I think is great because it gives people content and gives people a reason to, to to relax and listen and talk about and hear and understand whiskey which is great oh absolutely i i, I used to think zoom was a a single by fat larry's band from the 80s <laughs> i've never thought about that song in years what's caught my eye i have to say last week was uh and i you know i like my dates you know i like my history but yeah. last week did it pass you by and it passed a lot of people by there was meant to be a huge big uh anniversary 700 years of the declaration of our broth this is really you know we're celebrating whiskey we're celebrating scotch we're drinking it right now but some say without that declaration they may not have been a scotland where scotch could have been made did you catch that anniversary yes i i, I did, did notice that and i did notice that along with many other things it, it's all i mean news in general seems to have just sort of you know, apart from the obvious, has just seemed to sort of dissipated. And, you know, that is a huge thing for Scotland as a country. It's a huge thing for our national drink and probably a big part of why, you know, Scotland and, and single malt whiskey are so synonymous together. Oh, yes. Just I, I thought I'd just give you a quick a quick quote from it, Gordon. Uh, 700 years ago, Robert the Bruce uh, wrote, It is, in truth, not for glory, nor riches, nor honours that we are fighting, but for freedom, for that alone which no honest man gives up for but his life itself. That is what he was talking about. This fight was not about money. It was about for a, a country he was fighting for. It was for sovereignty of Scotland. It was not meant to be a little shire of England, which it could have been. So it's great. I'm going to lay the grass to 700 years for the declaration of our broth. On yourself, Robert the Bruce. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And what's great about it is you look at, things like you know that which is significant and how it's celebrated over the world and you know i mean i new york is is one of the most vibrant cities in the world and and uh, you know not obviously pretty quiet at the moment and our thoughts go out to everybody over there but um you know there's always tartan day and it's normally in early april um i i have been heavily involved historically in tartan day and to see new yorkers people from all over the, all over the states um coming to New York and, and celebrating Scottishness in all its different forms, which, you know, we used to run a whiskey show. I used to work for uh, Whiskey Live. We ran a whiskey show during uh, Tartan Week. Um, there was this, there was, I've got a good story to tell you actually. Oh, about please Tartan do go. Week. Carry on. Yeah. And just say, April at... the 6th is the declaration of our growth and it's the same day that um, Tartan Week was uh, celebrated. April the 6th, that's when they chose it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I mean, I remember running Whiskey Live there. This is probably the end of probably 2009, something like that, in New York. Um, a great show, really, really fantastic sort of environment to, to taste and sample whiskey during Tartan Week. And uh, um, we had some, there was an event on the day after called Dress to Kilt. Um, and there was always some famous, famous people kicking around. And Huey from the Fun Loving Criminals was at that. And you know, some other Scottish sort of celebrities. And uh, I had one heck of a night out with Huey from the Fun Loving Criminals, let me tell you, in <laughs> New York. A memorable, memorable night out drinking some fantastic whiskey. So, oh, he's a whiskey you know, man? It, he's a whiskey man, absolutely. But he's, uh, yeah, no, he's a really interesting character and just one of those nights out that that was quite a late one, I'll be honest. Okay. 
I like that. So Gordon did ask Huey, the fun-loving criminals in New York on Tartan Day, April the 6th, celebrating 700 years of the Declaration of Our Both. Now that's a story, Gordon. Loving it. That is a story. And so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, you know, it's a really big thing. Unfortunately, it seems to have just, with what's going on, passed, passed yeah. a lot of people by, which is... You know, we're we're in a we're in a we're in something we really need to focus on at the moment. Yeah, is... I know things are happening out there, but we just want to give everyone a bit of a, a bit of enjoyment and focus on a little bit of uh, whiskey, something we can talk about with a smile on our face. Gordon, some other anniversaries I had a look up to see what other anniversaries were going to be celebrated in 2020, and I just want to know what you would send a card for uh, if you wanted to celebrate. Would you celebrate 60 years of the Doc Martin book? I have never owned a pair of Doc Martens. They don't have any affinity to me, if I'm honest. But and not even the TV show. TV show. Martin Clunes was so disappointed. And um, <laughs> 10 years since the Icelandic volcano erupted, disrupted air travel around the world. 10 years. Well, I remember that vividly, actually. I was trying to fly to Norwich at the time when that all happened, and I had to drive to Norwich. Do you know what, Gordon? Um, I was, you, if, this is unscripted, um, as people might know. And I thought, yeah. I bet... You didn't know I was going to put this up as an anniversary. And I thought, I bet Gordon was going somewhere exotic. So where were you going? No, Norwich. Right, okay. Right. So yeah, it's like exotic, but with a huge amount of respect to Norwich, different. Oh, and that's, the mustard's beyond compare. Absolutely wonderful, uh, as is Delia. Uh, so th- th- the last anniversary in 100 years since the enactment of the 18th Amendment, which was prohibition. By another word. So prohibition, people might think, well, that was 1919. That's the law was passed, but it was enacted uh, on the 20th of, well, it was not quite April, but in late January, a hundred years since the prohibition was brought in, Gordon. How long did it last? What was the, it about? 1933. It, uh, so it lasted so basically 13, 13 years. years. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, well, there's always that great story about Lefroig, of course. Um mm-hmm which uh, was always, you know, Lefroig's well known for being in a green bottle. Um, and um, uh, we'll get the full story, but it was always that element that it was available in pharmacists as it was uh, medicinal. Um, so Lefroig was still sold throughout pro- pro- Prohibition and obviously um, because of its heavily peated nature and its maritime sort of style, that, that, that sort of... Uh, was how it was um, still got through the sort of prohibition. Oh, it's amazing. Gordon, Walgreens, the chemist, you were allowed a pint a week for your condition of uh, with this special elixir from Scotland. Amazing. That's why a lot of Americans still associate Scotch whiskey with the smoke because their grandfathers, um, that's all they could get during the thir- uh, 20s and 30s. But yeah, my final point on that one, uh, the law was passed in 1919. It started in uh, 1920. So what a hugmany that would have been. Knowing that it was going to be no more drink, no more whiskey. Gordon, we usually do at this point a little hand wash challenge. But I've got another challenge for you. Oh, I love a challenge. You better fill up that glass with a pig's nose. You know, last week the Queen came on and invoked the war spirit, as is right. And during the war, the person that led us was Winston Churchill. Big Churchill fan, Gordon, are you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think he was instrumental to uh, the way we are at the moment. So, yeah, no, I think that's true. And he loved his whiskey. He actually intervenes to keep whiskey getting produced during World War Two. So I just went through the whiskey quotes. What I want you to do is try and spot a Churchill quote from a non-Churchill quote, all talking about drinking or about whiskey. Do you think you could do that? So what is the what? I know you love a name of a feature. What is the name of this feature? The name of this feature is... Churchill or Church Nil. Nil means you've not got it. So is it Churchill or is it Church Nil? I don't drink anymore. <laughs>
I don't drink any less either. Or is it this one? I have taken more good from alcohol than alcohol has taken from me. Or finally, the best thing for a case of nerves is a case of scotch. Which one is Churchill? Which one is not? Churchill? Church nil. I think B is Churchill. That's the correct answer! Well done, Gordon. We'll try and go on to another one. You've got three again, Gordon. Never delay kissing a pretty girl or opening a bottle of whiskey. Or is it B? Remember, gentlemen, it's not just France we're fighting for, it's champagne. Or is it C? My dear girl, there are some things that just aren't done, such as drinking Dom Perignon 53 above the temperature of 38 degrees Fahrenheit. Which one's Churchill? Which one's Churchill? <laughs> um, probably A. Never delay kissing a pretty girl or opening a bottle of whiskey? It's one yeah. to me, Gordon. That was Ernest Hemingway. Uh, Churchill was, remember, gentlemen, it's not just France we're fighting for, it's champagne. One each. The final okay. question. Churchill or Churchill? When I was younger, I made it a rule never to take strong drink before lunch. It's now my rule never to do so before breakfast. Or is it this one? Work is a curse of the drinking classes. Is it this one? Whiskey is for drinking. Water is for fighting over. Which one's Churchill? Which one's Churchill? Gordon Dundas! I think A sounds the most Churchillian. And Gordon? You are correct! Well done! Well done! Great points. When Great I was younger, points. I made it a rule never to drink before lunch. Now it's my rule never to do so before breakfast. Uh, an amazing man with an amazing constitution. Thank you very much. That was brilliant. I, uh... A man of great quotes. He came out with some fantastic lines. And, uh, yeah, no, and he was a big whiskey fan, which he I was. love. Speaking of which, how are you getting on with your pig's nose? Oh, beautiful. Yeah, no, no, I'm just drinking it with a nice bit of ice in it. Really nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, really rounded. Um, and, you know, what I love about um, blended whiskies is, you know, certain people think blended whiskies are inferior to single malt. They're not. They're just different. And we'll talk about that. But, no, lovely, lovely whiskey. Well, I'm just having another. How's your? How's yours? Well, the 12 has done the treat. We're now into the mm. afternoon, and it's just it's just that freshness I love about the 12, Gordon. Uh, mm. Almost citrus, you know, that front of mouth as we talk about. The yep. sherry casks, I love the sherry matured whiskey, um, but that, that little bourbon element within the 12 just gives it a really fresh tone for me that um, is wonderful for a, a lunchtime. I just need some scallops. That's really what I'm missing. No, definitely. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, we're going to talk about maturation, of course, um, during these podcasts and giving you a little bit more insight into that. And, of course, food pairings as well. And how on earth would whiskey go with scallops? Well, it just shows you there is plenty of options. Oh, time for another section. You know, it's a, you know, I like my sections and I like giving I, I them titles. I wanted to call this one Dallas's Analysis. So sit back on your chaise long. I know you've got one there in your house, Gordon. I am. I'm uh, actually, uh, yeah, you know, just get comfortable. We call it a year that changed whiskey. Dallas's analysis. And I'm going to pick different years that I think have changed whiskey. Today's year is 1784. And 1784 was the Wash Act. This is when the government of the day in London decided to draw a line from the Firth of Clyde to the Firth of Tay. And below that line was termed the, the Lowland region. Above that line was the Highland region. So this was the first time that Scotland for whiskey production had been divided into two. The reason right. being tax money. <laughs> there was a, cap a couple of distilleries run by 
a huge family, which we'll maybe talk more about, Gordon, the Steen family. And they were on the banks of the River Forth operating a distillery called Kennet Pans. His um, son-in-law, Higgs, ran Kilbaggy next door to them. Those two distilleries were huge. And the Industrial Revolution could have been said to start there with the threshing machine. The Bolton and Watt steam machine was one of the first steam engines anywhere in Scotland and it was in a whisky distillery. So it was a huge operation. And the tax money from those two distilleries was said to be bigger than the entire land tax of Scotland. So the government in London thought, there's money to be made. We need to police this. We need to tax it. How do we do that? Let's draw a line in the sands and we will put our arms around the lowlands and tax them. And in the highlands, well, they can make it, but they cannot export it. They cannot make money by selling it. Right. Personal consumption. And that, Gordon, was the first time we had the highlands and lowlands in whiskey production. Very interesting. And, and now all how, many, how many regions? Five now, official regions. that Some people think six, but we have five. So we have the lowlands. Mm-hmm. We have the highlands. We have Speyside, which is a sub-region of highlands, really, but where the most distilleries are. Um, there is Isla, more known for its smoky whiskies, of course. Um, and there's also Campbelltown, which historically was a large producing area, but now much, much smaller, but but quite a defined style. So, you know, regions are, regions are uh, it's not the way I would drink whiskey by regions, but it's a ge- more geographical, I think, these days than taste profile. Yeah, that was more tax. In those days, it was the, about tax and about reg- raising money. But now you're saying that they're not as important about what's for what's in your glass no i mean i i i think taste is ultimately why you should drink a whiskey not because of regions but what we do know is that people drink whiskey from all over scotland and the world and you know very few people drink one style of whiskey these days they want to explore and try different ones and the success of single malt scotch in scotland is down to firstly and we must understand this the regionality of whiskey was 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 down to how whiskey was sold not now but a hundred odd years ago and plus and that comes down to actually the categories of scotch whiskey so you know we have two main areas of scotch whiskey we have i'm drinking a blend so a blend is a combination of whiskey produced in a in a column still called grain whiskey um and a combination of many different single malts that's what a blend is and we know that blends are 85 percent roughly of the volume of scotch whiskey so there is still a huge amount of single malts that are produced that combine and go into blends so johnny walker is the biggest blend of them all um, and it's a combination of grain whiskey produced in a column still which allows you to produce a lot of liquid and many, many single malts. And you are drinking a single malt, mm-hmm. which is a product of one distillery, single and 100% made with malted barley. That's why it's um, called a single malt. And my whiskey so, is from the Highland region, Gordon, but blends, they're not region specific. No, blends blends are exactly what they say. They're a combination of whiskies from all over Scotland, um, from different distilleries, from different companies, um, and there's a lot of trading that goes on and movement of whiskey behind the scenes that allows um, Johnny Walker to be produced, allows, you know, um, other major blends to be produced. So those are the two main categories of Scotch whiskey. 85% is blends globally, 15% of volume is single malts, but the main sort of growth area 
for scotch is single malt. So by value, that is way higher than 15%. So, you know, by value, single malt brings in more than, 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 than blends, but blends are still the dominant force by volume. Rewind 30 years ago, it'd be maybe 95% blends, 5%. And 10 years earlier, 99% blends. It was all about well, blends. Think, so it's an amazing well, growth. And I think the key point just to understand is that the, the diversity of whiskey that we now see in single malts is a direct result of the element of when you make a blend where you combine whiskies from all over Scotland historically a hundred odd years ago to give you a, uh, so you're not having all your eggs in one basket, but also to give you a lovely flavor profile that, you know, that you can create the volume that you need, but also, um, you know, if you can't particularly get one distillery one year, you can get another one and you won't, you'll still have that consistent blend. And that's ultimately why blends are, um, you know, are the, uh, are, are, are the, have been the dominant force. But what that now gives us as, as Scotch, which is, I think, our secret to our success, is we have this diversity of single malts from around Scotland that, that, that give us a really unique um, profile of flavours. And um, so, so that's, that's, that's ultimately why blends and, and the sort of relationship between blends, regions and single malts. That's amazing, Gordon. I think uh, more to talk on that, but you've just said B for blends. I think it's time um, we, we, we took that story of, of blends and put it into our A to Zs. And our A to Zs last week was A, ambassadors. That's what we are. So we talked about ourselves. This week, we move on to B, the A to Zs of Scotch whiskey. We're trying to compile a book, which we only be sale, Gordon, and make a bit in the side. Uh, we're trying yep. to compile a, a, a book, and we're on Bs. So A to Zs, take it away. B for blends. Can we put blends in? So we've just been talking about it, Gordon. Yeah, no, absolutely. A fundamental success um, and a fundamental reason why um, why Scotch is, is, is what it is now is actually based on the history of Scotch. And so that's a really, really important part. And, and absolutely nobody should ever consider blends as inferior to single malt. They're just different and they create a different style and they're uh, loved and drunk all over the world. And, you know, there's some great blends blazing trails across the world, such as Johnny Walker, such as um, other big blends. And, yeah. and that's a really, really important thing and, and uh, gets people drinking whiskey which can then move them into single malt or into any other styles. So, well, yeah. I, you know, I'll read a lot of books. Um, two things just before we move on from blends. One, I was reading a book saying the 19th century Scots entrepreneurs, the Johnny Walkers, the James Buchanans, the Tommy Dewars, if they had got behind single malt, then that would have been the story of whiskey. But they got behind blends in the 1870s and the 1880s, and they were probably some of the best entrepreneurs this country has ever seen full stop, and they took it and conquered the world with it. So I thought it was a very interesting way of looking at the, the, the history of it all. And B, on blends, I've not long finished Richard Patterson's book, The Nose, mm. the third yeah. generation master blender. And he was saying, in the old days, it was great. You had about 50 whiskies you were able to do your blending with. Now, with the rise of single malt, you're not getting as many single malts from distilleries to, to play with. So it's becoming... To about 25s to 30s a bit more tricky now to recreate your blends every year absolutely the success of single malt has meant that, 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 that there's less available for you know a diversity of uh, for blending but also if you you know you drive up to Speyside for example and you know and, and you sort of know your big single malt brands 
you'll also drive past a whole load of distilleries you've never heard of that have never produced single malt and and purely produce single malt to go into blends so you know you just don't underestimate the amount of single malt that's for want of a better word, swallowed up by blend. It's, it's and can I just say, you talked about uh, column stills and the patent stills, and you just talked about um, pot stills and, and blending. Yeah. Later on in this podcast, we will be talking, doing an insider's guide, and we will be talking to a distiller about that we process. We will. And obviously, you know, the, and, and this relates again to a slightly wider point, which we'll talk about in future podcasts. But when you make grain whiskey in a column still, you can make lots of it and you can continue to make lots of it. It's a continuous distillation. So as long as you're putting in that beer, you get spirit out at a much higher strength than you do in in single malt. Single malt is batch distillation. By the nature of it, you cannot make as much because you have to do it sort of each time. So um, that's why scotch was became so powerful in the 1800s was because we adopted this continuous distillation. And for example, Irish whiskey didn't. And that's why Scotch overtook Irish. And and we're going to explore that later. But oh, it's, another, it's a huge area in there, Gordon. That's a great one. So let's carry on. We've got some Bs. Give us a B. The A to Zs, we need at least five. And we're only allowed, I'm only allowing you one entry for distilleries or brands. If you see what I mean, we need five proper entries. I'm going to, I'm going to come back to a brand, but um, barley, obviously. We're yeah. talking about single malt, malted barley. You cannot make single malt whiskey without barley. If, if I'm going to say a B, I have to say Beaumore. Um, I used to work for Beaumore. It's a wonderful distillery on Isla. It's a distillery that I have a lot of affinity, and I, I love its product. I think it produces lovely whiskey, lovely people. Scotland's second oldest distillery. So Scotland's oldest distillery, 1776, which is Glen Turret. And I know one or two other distilleries have sort of um, potential histories that might take them earlier than that. But the oldest official is 1776, which is Glen Turret, which oh. is uh, in sort of Creef area. Mm -hmm. But Bowmore, 1779, the oldest distillery on Isla, a wonderful distillery right down by the shore, medium PT level, and probably one of the most um, iconic whiskies in terms of the older expressions and very sought after and has produced some wonderful whiskies over the years and currently owned by Suntory of Japan. Blends, Bowmore, can I put up on bottles? Yes. We've got one here. A bottle, really, even into the 20th century, we weren't drinking out of bottles. It was in um, flagons. Uh, uh, we weren't making bottles, really, I believe, one of the no. earliest whiskey bottles, 1841. First automated mechanised bottle blowing machine was 1887. So bottles, a relatively new thing. They were mm. in existence, Gordon, but for the super rich. Huge part of the enjoyment of whiskey is getting a nice bottle. Ah, there you go. And it's interesting how just a little bit of industry insight here is, is we talk about, when we're talking about selling whiskey, we talk about cases. So we talk about either an actual case or an equivalent case. An equivalent case is how generally whiskey is and how many cases you sell as an equivalent case. In the UK, that would be called an 8.4 litre case, which is 12 bottles at 700 mil, mm -hmm. which is what we have in the UK. So, for example, if you sell 50,000 equivalent cases, you'll sell 100,000 actual cases, which is a case of six, um, certainly from our perspective. But the thing that's, that confuses it, of course, a little bit is in the States, for example, they sell all the whiskey in 750 millilitres. 
So they have a nine liter case is their equivalent case. Just a little bit of whiskey insight in terms of if you see a, a whiskey distillery that says it sells 50,000 cases, it should probably say equivalent cases, which gives you, you can multiply that by 12 and that will give you the amount of bottles that it sells per year. My goodness, Gordon. You have to, I'm going to have to have a drink after that. You have to explain that one to me after the podcast ends, but that's a wonderful bit of inside information. Finally, I'll throw one up. Bonded. Bonded warehouses. B for bonded. Uh, so what is, I mean, just to explain, what's the difference between a warehouse and a bonded warehouse? Uh, protected by the Secret Service. <laughs> um, the bonded warehouse where the whiskey can be stored and it has not paid tax yet. Yes. So that is why it's big padlocks and why you're not allowed to take in any containers that may hold liquids into a bonded warehouse lots of rules governing the bonding of whiskey in warehouses right yeah no of, of course and historically you know there was there were um tax and excise men actually living in distilleries at that point as well in the sort of you know 1800s to ensure that the ensure there was no uh no tax not being paid, of course. That's the A to Z's on B. If you get any more, Gordon, say it now or we will move on. No, I think that's pretty good. We've done well there. We're, 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 this book's going to be good by the time we get oh, it it's done. Gonna be, we're gonna be, it'll be amazing, Gordon. Uh, 80-20. Excellent. I'm sure you'll enjoy your 20%. So, um, an insider's guide. You know, we are in a very good position as working for a company to give people an insider's guide to the process of making a whiskey. Well, this is our this is our this is our sort of um, unique selling point in a way is that we have this ability as a producer to actually give you an insight into how you know um, what a distiller does, how important it is, all that sort of thing. And uh, you know, as a producer, we we have amazingly talented people who work at our distilleries, and um, Jason is one of them, and Jason is uh, a distiller. He's been with us for nine odd years, I think. But mm -hmm. he he can give us the sort of day to day. What does he do in terms of distilling? Yeah, let's go and see if he's on the line now. I am Gordon. How are you, Jason? Very well. You've got Gordon Dundas here as well. Jason, Hello, how are Gordon. you? Good. How are you, sir? Are you well? I'm very well, thank you. Okay, Jason, just this is an insider's guide. So what do you actually do? Because this is many, many people's dream job. What do you actually do when you turn up uh, in your shift? Give us a typical day. So, yep, we've got one pot, uh, one wash still uh, and two uh, little spirit stills. Um, so my job is basically to charge them with the wash and the, the low wines and to run them in sequence uh, to an exact standard that we have uh, with, a, you know, the five litres per minute, etc. And basically to get the right co conjurers and, and the light fruity spirit that, that Glengoyne's famous for. And how do you do um, that? How, you just said you, you do it, but how do you physically do that? <laughs> I, if, we, if, I, if I went into detail, we'd be here for maybe six <laughs> or seven hours. Um, Something so, is unscripted. This is unscripted. <laughs> Um, so it's all done by hand. So that that that's the first thing I'd probably say. Um, so every valve that we have, um, all the all the measurements that we take, the calculations that we do. Um, Robbie always famously said that the the one piece of automation that we've got in the distillery is the cat and mouse. You two will be familiar with that. That's our dipstick. Um, so um, you know we're very technical in that sense. Um, but yeah. 
you know, everything's done by hand. So my first job really is to work out the volumes, what we're charging the stills with, get these stills up to temperature, um, setting the stills a bit of an art form as well. So if you can imagine taking uh, the wash from, um, which is basically a beer, um, so putting beer into a hot pan and boiling it, well, you're going to get froth off that. So the first hour of distillation is kind of spent settling the, the wash still. Um, and then for the next five hours, uh, we're running the spirit stills. Um, so three hours at five litres per minute. Um, and then we take them off spirit, um, which is our, our low wines and our faints. And um, we run that for the another two hours. Um, so five hours distillation and an hour either end, uh, either cleaning the still or charging the still. If you look at pictures of stills and you see little sight glasses on, on one of the stills, that's the one that's going to be the wash still. So that's the, that's so you can measure the froth, is it not? Yep, exactly, Gordon. Yep. Uh, I believe in the olden days they used to have a float system uh, at Glenboyne. So they used to have a, a wooden ball inside the still. And then there'd be a runner that would come out with an indication. So a bit like the cat and mouse kind of idea. Um, and that's how they would settle the still because there was no windows in it originally. But yeah, so if you ever come to this, the distillery and you see me standing in front of the wash still, uh, for an hour, I'm not just looking at the still uh, and watching the, and watching sure? the, yeah, <laughs> I'm watching uh, the 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 froth. Um, I believe the scene's actually barn. That's where it comes from. You know, the Scottish term "people going barney" is actually that's. I believe that's where that came from. I, I was told that by a historian that came round one time. I like that. Um, so what what does what does success look like? If, so if Robbie Hughes, who is the distillery manager, is you know, you've just come off shift. He's looking at the what, how your how your uh, distillation has gone. What would he be? Lo- what's his first thing that he will look at? What will he look at? Will it be the efficiency of it? Um, so it's a bit it's a bit like a a, a well made watch. Uh, Glengoyne Stillhouse. We tend to we tend to tick over. It's, it tends to run itself almost. Um, I think that comes from all the experience of the guys that we have in the stillhouse. So really, it doesn't have many problems. But on the other hand, we are working with uh, an old plant. You know, there's uh, we've yeah. got old machinery and things can go wrong. Of course, they can go wrong. So I think when Robbie comes in and sees that there's no notes left, that we've not had a breakdown, I think that's, uh, that's definitely a plus for him in the first case. But yeah, we've got kind of... From a business point of view, we've got parameters that we are uh, that we're looking for. You know, how many liters uh, of alcohol we've produced per run, etc. Okay, I've got a couple of quick fire questions for you, Jason. When's the first night, or do you remember the first night you were left alone in charge, having Glengoyne's, you know, the heritage of it on your shoulders, and you're the new boy. You're left alone. What was that like? I was petrified, to be frankly oh, honest my. with you. You know, it's a big responsibility. Um, we're working with a lot of value in the sense of raw materials. We're also working with something that's unique. You know, we have to get that Glengoyne character. If we don't get that Glengoyne character, well, it's not Glengoyne. So, and and you can't redistill it and make it Glengoyne again once you've distilled it. That's it. So, yeah, the first time, um, the first time was we were we were. Well, I was absolutely petrified, but I think. After after a few months, you kind of get comfortable enough to feel that you um, you can do it on your own. Um, but no, not a nice feeling. I don't think I slept for about two weeks. <laughs> uh, Jason, um, worst job? We're pretty well known for our copper, not only the stills, but also the pipes that take the spirit away from the stills. 
and uh, they're pretty clean, Jason. I yeah. I wonder how many bottles or cans of Brasso I've actually used. <laughs> over That's a my good quiz question. Try and find that out. We'll put that out as a question. Even in the mashing, there was a lot of pipes to polish. But when I got put over to distillation, I magically inherited the most amount of pipes, uh, which I found suspicious at the time. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and I was told that that's you know that's your section. That's what you have to you have to polish. But I've got the spirit safe to polish, and that's the as you know when you go around the distillery, that's really uh, the number one destination to be at. You know, everyone's every distillery wants a beautifully polished spirit safe. Yep. Um, so I do take good. I always believe a good workman looks after his tools. So um, yeah, you, you'll find it this. <laughs> right. Tools and polishing. I think we should maybe move on at this point, Gordon. <laughs> so, Jason, I know Jason. I know you love your whiskey, and I know you love yes. Lengoin. What else? Is, what else is in your cabinet? What other? What's your? What's what other drams? I mean, there's obviously good whiskies around the industry, but what's what's some of your favourites? Yeah, so I, I, you know, I go from one end to the other. Um, so I, I love my other malts. I have to admit, yeah, anything kind of peated because I, I don't like anything that's slightly peated. I like to go from one extreme to another. So, uh, you know, I like uh, Glengoyne because it's non-peated, but then if I'm going for a peated malt, um, I'll go for something like a Laphroaig um, or a Lagavulin or something like that. Uh, the rest are all peated. There's no in between. <laughs> and have you no been to other distilleries? Have you, ever been to, have you ever been to other distilleries and you sort of go there as just a sort of, and we all sort of do this, you go there as a sort of punter and you don't really tell people what you do and you just sort of, turn up and you go around the tour and you you have a look and you go oh, oh. You, have you ever done that yeah my friends don't allow me to do that because <laughs> uh they get annoyed with me uh, so if i was going i have been i have been to a few distilleries uh up at space side we've been to a few the one that, that amazed me the most was ben roma i think was uh, i was up there and i found that incredible because i i always knew that glen Goyne was small in production terms where Ben Roma seemed to be even smaller than ourselves. So that was interesting. And they're operating by hand as well. So that's something to compare against. So I found that interesting. Listen, isolation nation, we're all in lockdown. We're all in separate locations. Jason, thanks so much for coming on. Could you, yeah. and I think I, I mentioned it earlier on, give us some sort of recommendation, box set, movie, or a book or an album. Have you got something we could get our teeth into? I think we're going to be in lockdown for... Another couple of weeks, I imagine. So you do have plenty of time. I would highly recommend going through every episode of The Sopranos. Okay. Um, I think which is one. Um, I think that was one of the best ever series ever made, in mm-hmm. my view. Film has to be Shawshank Redemption. I can watch that over and over again. Book, well, anything Stephen King, but I think for the lockdown, you should read The Stand because that should keep you occupied for quite a while. Music-wise, well, I'm getting back into my vinyls at the moment. So I've got some old... Uh, I've got Dark Side of the Moon sitting in my vinyl player at the moment. The Floyd? Um, uh, yes, the Floyd. Gordon, I don't... But you, I've got no idea what this vinyl is. That's far too, too old for me. I might do, Gordon. I mean, I was just actually thinking about books there. My, I've just finished my last book, but my, my, my felt tips have run out, so I need some new ones. <laughs> <laughs> it's the colouring in swear words. I'm going to have to get that book. That's the big seller at the moment. <laughs> Oh my yeah. goodness. Well, listen, Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. There was an insider's guide to the making of a whiskey, and it is a great whiskey. So keep on making it, Jason. No, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jason. Good to speak to you. All the best. Thanks, Gordon. Thank you very much. That's Jason McCabe there. I did like the first night when you're left alone. 
in charge of something quite responsible. Well, I like that. Uh, that. The only thing I can relate that to is the one time I had to look after my niece when she was a baby on my own. <laughs> and um, I was told, Gordon, everything will be fine. She won't cry. She won't do what babies do. About three minutes in, she did what babies do. You're, you're yeah. still remembering, I, Gordon. I, I, I suggest I, you fill up that glass. Um, yeah, no, I, I am. I'm going to. Don't you worry about that. Um, I'm, I'm having another pig's nose, obviously. This time, actually, added a bit of uh, bit of soda water to it. The, the best sound in the, the world. I'll just finish oh, off with my Glen going 12. We'll be tasting different whiskies every week, of course, Gordon. And if anyone yep. would like to get in touch with Whiskey Unscripted, they can just follow the links at the, the website and get through to us on our social media channels, and we will get back to them. That would yeah, be wonderful absolutely. to hear from people. Yeah, no, so... I think we've uh, we've covered quite a bit of ground in uh, episode two. Looking forward to episode three. Anything else to say, Gordon? Well, I was going to say we can't actually tell you what's in episode three because literally it is unscripted. But we That's may have. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> Our insider's guide. Point. We're we're going to try and line up a manager. So we'll maybe get the, the, the insider's guide. We'll have the challenges as well. Our A to Zs will go and see. So and we'll be drinking some lovely whiskies. Gordon Dundas, it's been an absolute pleasure with your company. Are you up to anything this week? Well, kicking around the house. I'm happy to do this now. <laughs> well, there's the garden as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Gordon Slanjava. Slanjava. Slanjava.